my God. Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, I really honestly love this space. It is to welcome our guests because I know they're coming with things very expensive. And I really had to learn how expensive time was and what a beautiful commodity it is. And so uh, with that understanding, I want to thank my guests because I know they're bringing precious time. Uh, however long they are here, it is precious, it's valuable. And I want to thank them for coming and sharing some of that. The other is their journey to come and to trust us with that inf information because the journey it was there, it houses pain, it houses all kinds of stuff, but it gave birth to them who is before us. And we are honored that they're here to invite us to get a chance to dance with them, learn from them, that we may become better human spirits while we're here on this planet. And I want to welcome you, Louisa, to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you so much, Ken. I truly appreciate you sharing your time and your platform with me. It's, it's truly a pleasure. It is an honor. I want you to uh, tell the folks about yourself, introduce yourself and tell them uh, how do you serve mankind? Because I told them that is the gift that one gets to live from when they began their journey. And it's a wonderful gift. So tell us how you are able to serve. I've been serving others my entire adult life. I started as a nurse, certified nursing assistant. I became a registered nurse straight out of college. I've been serving veterans and the community, like I said, my whole adult life. I'm now also an empowerment wellness coach, helping others to learn how to put themselves and their health in a place of priority when we are so busy prioritizing everyone and everything else ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I can't wait to get into this conversation because I know some things about you nurses. You guys <laughs> put everybody in front of, in front of you and um, never focus on yourself at all. So this is going to be a wonderful conversation because I know about you people because my mother was one, my sister was one, I got friends, I was in the business as a, um, I worked in the healthcare business. So I'm very familiar with nurses and your heart. Um, I used to say to people uh, when I um, as a manager director for a uh, facility, a skilled nursing facility, and I would come and uh, we would uh, in-service people and I would tell them the nurses, nurses aid and all the other folks that are presenting themselves. And I'd say to them, I'm going to get to know you. Time is going to expose you to me. I'm going to know if you're here for the money or if you love this. And time will is my friend and I will be walking with him and I'm going to be keeping an eye on you because you will be exposed. And to be in a space of a, that has a servant heart, it's easy, you could see it translate into their behavior. And so here we are, one of our custom here at Threads of Enlightenment, is to go back, the birth, you know, mom and dad kissed you, <laughs> and then they bring you into your house uh, and they, you know, I mean, as I mentioned to you, I was there with my sons. There were trauma all over the place. Those lights traumatizing the kids, traumatizing me. 
the mother, everyone was traumatized. And then you come home, and then the first place that they put you is in this crib, this cage, that they are now going to uh, deposit some stuff in you, all the trauma that I've had as a young man and their mother, we are going to form this beautiful thing in our lab called home. Invite us into your lab or home and so that we can get an introduction into who you are. So funny enough, although this one isn't quite my story, my older sister, who's only one year older than me, my mom, very superstitious, would not buy anything for the baby before the baby had arrived because mm -hmm. it was bad luck. So yeah. her first night was spent in a drawer. So, <laughs> yep, they pulled out the drawer, patted it up, and uh -huh. there's where she slept while my father ran out and bought a crib and, yeah. and put it together. But as for myself, uh, they brought me home on a... And put you in the closet. Yeah, no. right? No. <laughs> I, I had to do one better, so I decided to be born on Halloween. Nice. So, yeah. Um, and I came fast and in a hurry, and therefore, I am always the punctual one in my mm -hmm. family. Yeah. Um, my father, they told him he could go home, walk the dog. It would be hours before I was born. He was coming back in. They were wheeling me right past him. They said as soon yeah. as he left. I, I decided to spit right out, but it, it, it's been a journey. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed my, my fun Halloween birthday and my father did not get to get traumatized like you were with my birth, but yeah. my childhood prior to going to school, I was I was always that mommy's girl. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad worked. And I was always up under my mother. I was a pretty quote-unquote good child because mm -hmm. I was observant. I was always watching. Yeah. And I spent time, you know, outside with my friends, with my siblings. But then when everybody else had to go away, I got to hang out with the adults. I got yeah. to sit outside and and feel so grown up because I was so well behaved. And then comes a time where, oh, it's time to go to school. I'm not going to be up under my mother anymore. Yeah. And it was such a culture shock. I'm also mixed. I'm Puerto Rican, African-American, and Italian. So, mm. yeah. So we're growing up. <laughs> I grew up with the kids in my neighborhood. Where did you grow in up? Bronx, New York. I'm I'm a New York girl. Queens, New York. Queens. Oh, there you go. New York, New York in the house. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I went to school and I didn't quite fit in. I didn't know where to fit in. I didn't know these people, these children. Yeah. And now I had strange adults. And I wasn't quite light enough for the white kids or dark enough for the black kids. And I, I don't speak Spanish. My, my family just doesn't. So the Spanish kids also <laughs> is like, so 
where do you fit in? What do you do? Where, yeah. how, how do you make this work? So it's, it's crazy because I'm pretty extroverted now, but mm -hmm. to see me then you would just think very introverted because I was quiet. I was just still always watching. Yeah. And the way that I created the space to fit in was to continue to please. So I became yeah, kind yeah. of that people pleaser where it's like, all right, I'm going to do whatever I can so that people will like me or I can pretend to fit in in that yeah. way without having to assimilate to what I couldn't. I, I couldn't be darker. I couldn't be lighter. I couldn't automatically know Spanish. So it was just that that's what I could do. I, I could make you like me. And yeah, and I would do that. And I also became kind of that hyper achiever because remember, I, I still like to please the adults even before school. So it was like, all right, I'm in school. I'm going to be a bit of that teacher's pet and make sure they like me as well. Yeah. It's a tough uh, world to navigate. One must become, as an, uh, uh, an observer, you will, I'm sure and did become skillful in how you began to move through because of the ability to be an observer. That's one of the very first things that I noticed about um, servants is that they are more of an observer. They're one that looks and sees things and uh, perceive things um, that from that observation as they begin to move forward. Here you are in this mix and uh, you're getting it from three sides of um, culture and all kinds of stuff and um, you're able to navigate through. As you're navigating and um, moving forward in your life, uh, you are now in your high school. How is high school when you are in this mix, and I know your location, how is this, um, as it's beginning to become more intensified, you have to become more skillful, if you will. How are yes. you moving through high school? Yes. So I actually got fairly lucky in that way. I went to a, a smaller high school and yeah. that same older sister who had to spend her first few hours in a drawer, she was yeah. already there. So okay. she's obviously the same mix. So people knew her. So I gravitated towards her and her friends and, you mm -hmm. know, towards the older kids because she was older and yeah. we were able to make that work. And it was a funny dynamic still trying to also find my own way and my own mm -hmm. space because it was always like I was following her. We were always yeah. just that year apart and we transitioned to school prior to high school. It always ended up somehow being the same year. Like she went into the last sixth grade class of mm -hmm. elementary school. And I was in the first sixth grade class that went to junior high school. So yeah. we were always together. So this was the first time that she had that real head start ahead of me. So yeah. it was like, all right, 
what do I do? <laughs> and and that's actually where I got started with nursing. I did yeah. the nursing assistant program within my high school. Mm-hmm. And that was where her and I deviated from one another. And I got to find my first kind of nursing tribe mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, this is who I'm going to connect with because we're on a similar path. We're going to grow together. And it's like, okay, now I have to part from my sister, which who is the person that I totally fit in with Yeah. to now work my way to fit in with these new people. And it was scary. It's, it's Why nursing, scary. Louise? Why nursing? <laughs> It's funny, again, my older (laughs) sister, she's had a lot of influence on me, apparently. Mm -hmm. So when I was trying to make my decision um, for which school to accept, because I got accepted into a few high schools, I was discussing it with my mom. And my sister was like, you can't do nursing. You don't like to get your hands dirty. (laughs) So that over, yep, that overachiever (laughs) that Mm -hmm. had to prove her wrong. Yeah. That oh, I'm definitely picking that program. (laughs) And then I loved it. It it just came so natural to me, where it was like, oh, this just works. Yeah. But but I knew I didn't want to stay at and. Hopefully this doesn't sound wrong, but I didn't want to stay at the quote unquote lowest level mm-hmm. of nursing. Yeah. So once I had the opportunity to move forward and when I was going to college, I was like, okay, I'm going to go for my registered nurse degree. Mm-hmm. And that was exactly what I did. Yeah, I know. My, as I mentioned to you, I know some about your nursing stuff. My mom was a nurse and my sister a nurse and so forth. And I remember or mom, my mom, one of my um, idols, if you will, she had her five kids and um, we were in high school and she always, I remember as a young, uh, young boy, her talking about uh, wanting to do nursing. And here I am in high school and um, my mom uh, branched off and started doing her, uh, her nursing and she became a nurse and RN and uh, nurse manager and all all the different things and so um, I know uh, her story and uh, I got I was you know front seat if you will so here you are you um, got into you stumbled in by a challenge from a comment from your sister and you found yourself the beginnings of you as you are moving through your nursing. Uh, class and you're gaining knowledge as to the body and so forth and they also deal with some of the mental aspects of of the human being. As you were digesting all of this information, what did you notice uh, began to happen to you as a result of um, ingesting all of this as it's coming to you? and learning about the body and learning all the different modalities and so forth as uh, re- when in, in relationship to uh, human beings. 
what was happening to you in that space? For me, I felt like things were connecting. Things were starting to make sense. We had to do all the science-based things. And while I got it, 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 it was just for the purpose of, okay, I need to learn this to pass a class. But mm. when I got into the nursing and some of that science base came into that, it's like, okay, I'm learning this to live. I'm learning yeah. this to myself evolve and to make the world literally a better place by putting my my stamp in there, my my heart and opening myself up. Because without an open heart, you cannot truly serve. Because mm-hmm. then it does become like you were talking about earlier. It's for the money. And you completely can see who gets into it because oh, yeah. Nur- yeah, nursing is one of those careers where you get started and you make fairly good money early on. You don't mm-hmm. have to quite build yourself up. But the way it breaks you down when you yeah. go in it for the money is so catastrophic for people that they're not living they Mm -hmm. just kind of exist and they become miserable and even though I've been in nursing now as a registered nurse for almost 20 years I remember those early early days of becoming a registered nurse at my first job and people saying don't lose your smile or telling me you're not going to be this happy in a couple of years. You're going to be miserable or you'll be like the rest of them. And just about 20 years later, I still get patients that think I just started in nursing because of the joy that it brings me to be able to serve in that way, to be able to help others, to be able to treat somebody like a human and mm-hmm. not as a diagnosis or a number, but creating this relationship with them to help elevate their health and their well-being. Yeah, that's um, because I saw it from my mother and surroundings and I went into managed healthcare. Um, and there are spaces, in the, and I would tell people about the nurses, the ones that are, uh, I told them, I said, nursing, you can divide it in a couple of different uh, spaces. You have the service part, where the servant is necessary and needed. And then there's the nurses that need to be on the business side. And I would tell, I would tell them, I would see vice versa, and the ones that are on the business side, but have the heart of the servant, and I would tell them, get out of here, move. And then those that are in there that are throwing the patient off against the wall that doesn't have any kind of um, empathy at all, I would tell them, you need to come into the business side of nursing, of healthcare, so that you won't damage the patient and won't be sued. And so you'll be able to get happy. You'll be happy because you're in the wrong part. Some of them love the, the knowledge of the nursing but they don't need to be around people. You could uh, be on the business side of nursing, which you can uh, you can have an understanding where you can help those nursing because you're familiar with the processes 
by which they do things. And so you would be able to identify those who have your heart. And it's very easy. And it's, I would tell people their actions will expose who they are. So here you are, you found yourself, if you will, your passion. What a beautiful thing to know because uh, life becomes rich. And I would tell my children, find your passion and be passionate about it. Um, so uh, here you are, you've found it and you're passionate about it. Um, talk to us about you. Here you're serving. What did you begin to notice about you as you're serving uh, coming up is in this um, field of yours of choice and as a servant? What, uh, what were those things that you began to notice that you saw within you that um, you're like, oh, hell yeah, this is good stuff. And those that you're looking at and says, I need to work on that. Yeah. So just being able to serve others really does truly bring me joy. And I light up from being able to speak life and light others up. That is one. Mm -hmm. And being able to be a nursing and serve in so many different aspects can really create that synergy, that connection, because we're not stuck. Like you just said, there's those different aspects. And I've moved around in nursing. Yeah. I started on a med surge floor where I was working inpatient. I was an overnight nurse. And I had a great relationship with many of my coworkers, and I was able to truly help the patients that I, I took care of every night. But once that started to drain me in a way, mm -hmm. it was like, okay, how can I shift? Because I don't want to take out my frustration on the people that I work with. Yeah. So I shifted, I shifted gears. I went into GYN and women's health. And I worked there for quite a few years. Maybe I was eight years med surge, I think five years or so GYN. And I did that and I was able to help these women and really change their lives and their thought process on the facility that I worked within because mm -hmm. women were not held as high esteem as men in that facility. Mm -hmm. So I was able to be something different for them and just change their perspective of, of life within their medical condition but it, like i said before they were more than just a medical yeah, yeah. condition and then i i went into the area that i'm in now where i'm in primary care which i've been for i think about five years and it's a more oh i just lost the word um oh not low cost sorry Help me out no. here. Um, <laughs> a low income, a more low income area. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm able to do something different for them as well, 
where many low-income areas, they don't get the excellent care that they deserve, just like higher-income areas. And I'm able to show them that we can be different. And you deserve this. You deserve this care. You deserve top-notch quality care. And that just does so much for them as individuals mm-hmm. that it selfishly does a whole lot for me as well. Mm-hmm. So through their heightened state, I get something out of it also. So it's not completely selfless. I, yeah, I, yeah. It can be beautiful. I am. Um... Uh, one of my uh, skill sets were I used to assist HMOs to get their accreditation in the state of Florida. And we had worked with one of the companies that I work with. Um, we worked closely with all the um, all of the Medicaid uh, um, companies and, and organizations within the state of Florida and the community health centers. And uh, it was something to see when, as you said, when you are able to bring to the, uh, that population the good health care that an individual uh, uh, you know, deserves. And I remember I worked for, I used to also work for uh, as a uh, contract negotiate, I would set up networks to help these uh, HMOs get their accreditation. And so I would visit these physician offices and I would pick the best physician I can find in the area. And I would go to them and sit down with them and say to them, I want you to start seeing Medicaid re- recipients. <laughs> and um, they looked at me in a special way, if you will. And um, but once I sat down and showed them uh, how I know they would first look at, because I knew coming with me was a great deal of money, um, but also I needed the population to be treated with respect. And so I would sit down with that physician and I said, "Well, how about you seeing the Medicaid?" Uh, patients on certain days where it's different from your commercial and your your regular patients so that it's not any mixing going on basically and so forth and so we did that with many of them and uh, the care that they gave was always something because I was always involved in that and I would always lose seek out the best physicians in the area and uh, bring them in to be a part of our network so that they would take care of Medicaid recipients and they got the best care and uh, from that. And so I know the joy that that brings to an individual when they are working hands-on and seeing, because I did a lot of work with the community health centers all across the state of Florida. I was actually uh, the director for the company, director of marketing um, and development. And so I was hands-on in all of them developing systems and ways by which we can have access to their community to bring them in, to educate them about the physicians that we would even bring in and train and so forth. So yeah, I'm very familiar with that population, if you will, 
And so here you are, you are getting a chance to dance in the glory of uh, being a servant, if you will, with all of those that are needing to be served. Uh, as you are being utilized uh, and uh, to be uh, used as a, uh, an agent, if you will, for these folks to talk with them, um, uh, introduce us to a conversation because I know how meaningful they that conversation is and, and the exchange, man, like uh, um, uh, it's bringing smiles to my face because I'm remembering much of those uh, interactions. Bring us into one of those spaces and when they are being brought in with information and the light is coming into them and they are getting the realization that they are getting the best of the best, if you will. So I have this, I have this one patient, I still see him and yeah. everybody would see him as a cranky old man. He's yeah. almost 90 now. And he would say, Oh, I'm just ready to die. And Oh, when is this going to be over? And he, he just wasn't very up yeah. for lack of a better term. And every time this gentleman would come in, I'd still, you know, treat him with the same respect. I have this thing where I say young man and young lady. He's mm -hmm. like, don't call me old man. I mean, young man, you know I'm old and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, Mr. X, Y, and Z. I, I... So I'll say, come on, old man. I'd go with it. Yeah. And the more that I would interact with him, the softer he would get. Yeah. And he still had his crotchety ways oh, because yeah. that... That's just him. But he would be like, thank you, young lady, for making me feel like a person today. Thank yeah. you for listening to me. Because he would also tell me like little snippets of old stories. Yeah. And just from me being able to listen and not take the way that he spoke personally allowed him to continue to open and soften up with me and the day the first time he thanked me because now he he does it more often mm -hmm. but the first time the joy I felt in my heart that yeah. Mr. X, Y, and Z was able to display this yeah. act of kindness in a way it was mind-blowing yeah. <laughs> for me because nobody had seen that from him yeah. ever and he had been going to that facility way before I started there like I said I've been there now maybe five years he's yeah. been going there maybe 12 13 14 years I'm not exactly sure so ev everybody was just kind of mind blown the way he you know would say goodbye and, and would talk and would even joke and laugh with me yeah. Even though he would still say, oh, I'm ready for all of this to be over. <laughs> but but he, he would enjoy at least a few minutes that we spent together. And he didn't give me any issues. I needed to draw his blood. He'd give me his arm. I yeah. needed to do ask questions because, you know, in nursing, there is some invasive question. Mm -hmm. He would just wear in the beginning. He's like, why are you asking me this again? Where he would just go and answer my questions. Yeah. And we we just have that great rapport. And I can think of 
so many stories that pop yes. into my head and yeah. obviously I, I will not bore the listeners with all of them <laughs> but that that's the one that stands out that was the first one that came to my mind when you asked that yeah it's a beautiful uh space to be in to be a giver and uh, not expect anything in return it's a freedom that is beyond um explanation if you are coming in doing something with an expectation um you miss so much uh and nursing nurses you guys are um you have a part of my heart because of my mom and i was a director of a wound care facility when i lived in in uh, florida and there was a, the nurses were some of the most beautiful people i ever met and the patient, of course, many of them are in pain when you come to wound care center. Many of them are at the, you know, needing access to the hyperbaric chamber because it's necessary. They're about to lose limbs and so forth. So it's a really uh, tough place to be. And we had this gentleman that came into the wound care center. Um, he's been going there for years, years before I came. And one of the nurses came running to me crying of how he had interacted with her. And so <laughs> I asked her, we had several rooms and I, I requested that she took me to the room so I could meet him. And I got in the, the, the room and I told her, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent her out um, and I had a conversation with this man. I'm sure they probably heard, but I told him that he would, unless he fixes his attitude, because I said, here is someone that is a servant that is serving you. She is coming to you in humbleness to want to, and her desire, single focus is to make you healthy. How dare you come into my house? and disrespect people in my house because I was the director of this place. And I began to explain to him how I want him to behave from this day. And if I do not see a change in his behavior, that we would have a discussion again. This gentleman became one of the best uh, uh, persons that would come to that. He brought them food. He would interact with them and hug them. This is, he was there for years. And I sat down with him and showed him that they are serving him. And the degree of disrespect that he had for them was not allowed at all. And, um, he honored those nurses from that day forward. I'd never seen anything like it. He would make sure that he would bring them all types of stuff. He did a lot of things with his hands and art, and he would bring it to them. And we, he celebrated them. And what uh, it is, the community needs to see that it's a symbiotic relationship with someone like yourself, those who are, the givers and the carers that you would do this from a place of love and honor and respect. And so 
that gentleman uh, saw it and he was able to gravitate from this old grouchy Scrooge into this uh, space by which he is able to smile and change his life. And I'm sure when he leaves that building and even when he's in his car, probably still smiling and seeing the change that took place in him. So I know you guys are precious in my eyes, the nurses, because of who you are and your heart. And it's an honor to have folks like you here. Um, so here you are, and you are able to now uh, be in a space by which you are helping to encourage uh, folks. Talk to us about, uh, you know, when you began to pursue this, this avenue, if you will. How did it come about? And what was the language that caused you to start heading in that direction? Funny enough, it seems like situations always fall into my lap. I was not. Yeah, I had no <laughs> thought or There's desire, no <laughs> right, to go into coaching. Um, people yeah. have been telling me for years that, oh, you should be yeah. a therapist or a coach or whatever else. And I always like kind of laughed it off, waved it off, like, haha. And then COVID happened. Yeah. Yes. And we all know how the world went during the pandemic, especially the 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 beginning of it, the, the confusion, yeah. the loss. Mm -hmm. And I had already been on my own health journey prior years before and at first it it took me into this mental space that I was not used to I am not someone who I would say suffers from anxiety or depression or anything like that but with COVID and all of the confusion and chaos that was going on and being a little bit of a control freak it was like, oh my gosh, like it wasn't even about keeping myself healthy, but how can I help those around me yeah. be the healthiest they could be? And telling people what to do rarely does much of anything, but showing them yeah. what to do. So I revamped my own health and worked towards putting myself back into a healthy mindset because mm -hmm. my mindset went left for a little while, way, way left. Um, because what caused it to go left? Um, not knowing, seriously. not knowing anything about what was happening, not knowing how to keep people safe. All of this information in the news that was just fear-mongering so much fear-mongering and everything was just repeating it just kept repeating itself mm -hmm. nobody was saying anything new there was nothing of value the health systems didn't know the government didn't know so what makes anyone think that the media knows what was going <laughs> on and that was just getting to me and everywhere you go that's all anybody was talking about 
You couldn't get away from it, whether on social media, whether watching the actual news, whether you're meeting somebody face to face. That was the only topic of conversation. So I had to take a step back where I withdrew a bit to get my mind right. Yeah. And like I said, that's when I started to revamp my own health. And I've never been a big news person, but I went from a little bit of news to zero news. I just stopped. I didn't watch anything. If I went somewhere and the news was on, I would maybe put on my headphones or or I would walk out or I'm just like, can we change this? Like, do you really yeah. need to hear the same thing that they've been saying for the same hour? So excuse me allergies um so so that's pretty much where i started and then i had a friend who also is a coach and she was doing um some kind of workshop that she just wanted volunteers for just to help her out mm -hmm. so i had to come up with something where it would it would be a goal, a future goal. And I couldn't think of anything. In nursing, I was, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm satisfied. And in every area of my life, I was pretty much satisfied, especially now I've got my mindset right once again on health. So I, I threw out coaching just as something to throw out because I couldn't think of anything else. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of came up with this game plan. And it was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, because when you're doing well, people are always asking you, oh, how are you yeah. doing this? Oh, what are you eating? How are you working out? How are you so happy while the world is seeming to go to crap? And those two things combined created me going into the coaching space. As you're learning now in your coaching space, because in the coaching space, you have to bring in all these different information that also assists you in looking at yourself. What did you begin to start noticing as you're um, assimilating all this additional information, new stuff, going into this new field, if you will, new arena um, as you are uh, ingesting this information what did you start it to do with it oh apply self-apply definitely mm -hmm. i had to apply everything to myself and i always say i was my own first client yeah. because anything that i tell anyone else to do I'm going to make sure that I'm doing it first and I'm going to do a trial and error and I'm going to see what works and what doesn't. And obviously not everything that works for me is going to work for someone else, but I will have the knowledge base as well mm -hmm. as the experience so that we can create something together that does work for another individual as opposed to me just saying, okay, this is what I did. So this is what you need to do. Follow it or fail. No, you have to meet the person where they are. So just like I meet my patients where they are, 
I meet my clients within coaching where they are. If, excuse me, somebody needs to quit smoking, but they're they're, um, under eviction notice, is the smoking their highest priority? No, it's not. Just like with somebody else, if they're in a space where they want to lose weight per se, but if they're in an unhealthy relationship that they don't feel supported in, or they don't love themselves enough to think they deserve to put their health first, are they going to? No, because they're not in the right headspace. They're not in the right position to be able to do that. So we work on whether it's with the smoking and figuring out this person's housing, or we figure out where this person is emotionally and getting their head right, where they're able to do this out of love for themselves to get better versus I hate myself, so I want to change. Because with that mindset, it it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. You're miserable. You're not changing. You're not seeing results because the mind is powerful. Mm -hmm. And if we're not working with our minds and we're trying to work against it, then, then we've already failed. Yeah, tell people you, you're, you're living a circular life because you haven't made a decision yet. And once you make the decision uh, that is in your inner being, once you've made that decision that enough, and uh, you will then take the necessary steps to bring that enough into manifestation until you get there. Um, you're just going to be circular living. You're going to be back here again. And because your mind hasn't had anything to focus yet, you have to give it something to focus. And that something is enough. And you'd be amazed to see what you would do with that just one word and how you will take the steps necessary to move you through from where you are to where you desire to be. And remember, perfection is the enemy of personal development. There's no such thing as perfection. Um, there is anything. It's, 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 it's a line. Um, it is a cage by which they keep you in. When they tell a woman that perfection is looking like this, like this model, spend some time with that model and she, you'll see the imperfection blaring out in front of you. So don't believe that lie when they say to you, you need to be perfect. Perfect. What does it mean? And so no one has a definite uh, understanding of it because it really doesn't exist. And so don't try to be perfect. Move to be disciplined where you are able to repeat. And as uh, you begin to become disciplined, you will see how you will be moving forward. It'll become what you're doing is reprogramming yourself because you were programmed as a young individual before you entered into the world. You were being programmed in your mother's womb by her conversation with your dad and the energies that were around that were programming you. 
And when you came into this world, program continue until you decide that I don't like this program. I want to change it. And so now you're going to expect that you've been programmed before you were born and you expect it to be done in two weeks. How in the world is that possible? I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're drinking, but it's not possible. You are going to do this for years and for the rest of your life. You will be reprogramming yourself because you have been, the uh, human being is designed to uh, receive information. And so you've been receiving information for so long that you don't even know who you are. And I was telling to Luis, I was 30-something years old when I became Ken Primus. Uh, before that, I was a combination of mom and daddy. You know, I was living to please them. And until I had a, a discussion with my parents because they had come in between my children and I, uh, that's when we parted company. I, I pulled that curtain and I realized that I had been living my life to please my mom and dad. Had that incident did not happen, it had to happen because I called it because of how important my children is and their upbringing. Uh, when they did that, it violated all kinds of stuff in me that caused me to stand before them and say, hey, and I gave birth to Ken Primus on that day. And so I invite you guys to come and give birth to yourself. It's the most beautiful thing you'll ever encounter in your life. But do not expect it to happen overnight. Your life must become one of a disciple in order to become more in love with yourself. You cannot have it any other way. Anyone coming to you and telling you that they'll fix you in a week or two weeks, straight up lying. And I got a bridge to sell you. So um, don't do it. Uh, believe in yourself and honor yourself not to buy into that. It's going to take some time. So here you are, you are in your groove now, as they say, you found yourself even more deeper. You got a chance. COVID, I tell people, the collective called COVID in uh, because there were such cries out there. Was, I, don't, I don't like my job. I hate my job or whatever. And so we were calling all these things in uh, to get a chance to stop and get to know who we are. And a lot of things were exposed there. Fear, uh, a lot of us were living uh, fear based for many years. And so it began to expose our, uh, we began to see things that we weren't privy to see because we we're so busy. And so when it slowed down, we began to look inside and go, what the hell am I looking at? And then many of us were scared and many of us began to uh, excavate things, fall in love with self. And those babies that we were pregnant with, uh, we began to give birth, books, uh, book, uh, podcasts, uh, your coaching uh, career, all of these things were not able to, to be birthed until we went through that. So I look at it as a something that the collective called in order for us to begin to shift the paradigms. We are now looking at all the systems that were in place differently. People are looking at ways to change the system that is designed to break the human spirit. We're looking at it going, no, 
We don't want that anymore. Workers are rebelling. Um, uh, CEOs are rebelling. They're leaving. I know I've interviewed many of them that I said, no, that's not it. And revamping their companies, multimillionaires I've interviewed. Everything changed because the systems are now being, uh, it was exposed. And so here you are uh, changing everyone's, their optimal mental state. I love that line that I saw in your thing. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to ask about this. So here, here you are. You're getting the chance to bring people in awareness to who they are and seeing a difference where you're now escorting them from uh, about who they are. As you're doing this now, where do you see yourself? I love to ask some people is that, uh, this question. What is the tug now in your heart? Because I tell people, once you're awake, um, complacency becomes one of your enemies. Um, what is you? What is in your heart that you're beginning to feel that tug and that restlessness when one tells us that it's time to grow up some more? I need more because you are tugging at yourself. What is it you feel and where are you think you're heading? So actually, obviously, <laughs> I love because, how you say that. <laughs> because of COVID and everything, there yeah. a lot has turned to the internet. Everything is pretty much online now. Yeah. And while I still have my online presence, moving towards also retreats where you can connect with people in person where you mm -hmm. can touch and hug. And I was just a participant in a retreat where I was asked to do a workshop. And while working with some of the ladies, tears came out from how powerful the conversation was. And being yeah. able to get up and put my hands and my arms around somebody to let them know I was there to support them in person was like, no, this this is needed. Human touch, human connection is needed once again. And yeah. so that's where I am. I am shifting a part of my practice because it's, it's so hard. Awesome. Yes, because I, 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 I really do love every aspect of where I'm at right now. But like you said, there's always that yearning. There's always something more. And at some point, I will have to put something to the side. But until that day comes, I'm, I'm going to embrace all of those pieces with all of my heart and pour into them what I have to give without emptying myself out, without saying, okay, I'm going to give all of Louisa until there's nothing left to give. Um, that is not what I am going to do. It's not what I expect anyone else to do. But all that I have to give, all the excess that I have, I will pour out into every aspect and every individual I come in contact with. Yeah, I think well, people burn out when they're not in the right place. But once you're in the right place, there's no such thing as burnout. I think you're always yeah. replenishing uh, because yeah. we are replenishment comes from interaction with others. And so as, as long as you're 
interacting with each other and others, you're always replenishing yourself. And so it's a continual uh, energy of transfer. And I tell people, um, the experience you have today will never be the same because it's you're chasing the wind because it's energy. And energy is not stagnant, it moves. And so I don't ever look to replenish something. I look to recreate something because it's new energy. And so um, those of you that are listening to us, come recreate. Get inside uh, this wonderful uh, human spirits space. I'm going to provide all the information for you guys to get there because she is going to teach you and guide you in obtaining your optimal state of mental, physical, and spiritual health. I love that stuff, man. And so it is a priority that one must take to change yourself. Are you satisfied where you're at? If you're not, I have someone that is willing willing and able to guide you. And all that she requires is that you say enough and mean exactly what you say because if you mean it, man, your life will change. Lisa, thank you so much for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you once again for having me. It has truly been a pleasure and an honor to share this space with you. Thank you.